Hey, um, we're doing a series on worship here. So uh, the lesson is going to be the topic of worship. But how many know that worship is not a series? Worship isn't about songs. Do you know that? So I know that in church, like, that's kind of like how we have made it. It's evolved into that. It fits conveniently into our church service. And, hey, we like the songs. We're going to sing songs next week. Come back, okay? But it has become that. And it's important for us to go into the Word of God to figure out what it was and what it is to God. See, songs in themselves are not bad. Songs are good, okay? But when we sing the songs by missing the heart of worship, that becomes a ritual. And that can become anything that we do to God. It can become a ritual and a habit that you form in your life that just becomes a dry, dead religion. Now, nobody walked in the door today wanting that. All of you came in here expecting to have a real connection with God. So I know that you didn't come in here thinking you were going to do a ritual. I know you came with the right heart. But listen how God's people have fall in the word of God. You can see this time and time again um, where God's people get guilty of doing the ritual but missing the heart of it. In Amos chapter 5, God is speaking through the prophet, and he says, I hate I despise your religious gatherings. It's pretty, it's pretty strong. And then later, a couple of verses later, he says, away from me with the noise of your songs. Now, I know you say that's Old Testament, Pastor Alex. I mean, it's a little different now. Well, in Matthew chapter 15, Jesus quotes the prophet Isaiah in 29, where he says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And in Revelations, he even tells, he rebukes the church and tells them, you are doing the works, but you have forsaken the love, the first love that you had for me. And so I know none of us want to want that kind of rebuke in our lives, but I feel, I feel like God wants us to get back to the heart of worship. And, and it's going to come as a strong message today. Somebody said earlier after first service, they were like, um, Pastor Alex, wow, that, it was like you were talking right to me. I was like, no, when I make the sermon, it's, it's for me. So if you think that this is strong, it's, I'm going hard for myself in this too. So I hope that it blesses you. Um, I think that we, like God's people, can commit idolatry with our worship. When we make it about the songs, the melodies, or the bands, we can ki- commit idolatry. Notice I said idolatry, not adultery. That would be a weird message on worship. Okay, or it might be a really deep one. I don't know. Idolatry is misappropriated worship, to summarize the first commandment, right? You shall have no other gods before me. Don't make for yourself a graven image. See, I believe that everybody worships something. Worship is to express worth or adoration to someone or something. And in other countries or other religions, they worship cows, Sincerely, like this is real. They worship cows, statues, the sun, the moon, the sky, the stars, okay? I know that that sounds strange to you, but it's really happening. But even though that sounds strange to us, on their end, they might think it's strange in America because what do we idolize? We idolize money. We idolize ourselves, okay? You could be an American idol, okay? We got the American dream that we're trying to live out. And so we worship things like sports and teams and things. And I'm not saying those things are bad in themselves. Y'all know I love the Gators, okay? But when we talk about worship, 
we aren't just talking about the songs. Some people aren't musical, and they don't play an instrument, and they don't feel like they can carry a tune, so they don't even like worship because they think that's what it is. That's what I'm here to clear some of that up because singing doesn't always define worship. Come on, isn't anybody happy about that, that it's not, it's not always the, the song or the melody that qualifies worship? That would, be, that would be a little bit difficult. It's a lot of pressure for David and Michelle and the team every week to come up here and to, and to make sure that the songs are right because the song of your heart matters to God more than the melody up here. Amen? Okay, I know this is a strong word today. Can y'all help me out? Can y'all just, can y'all just take a deep breath with me? I know. I know I came with, with something pointed, but remember, I'm pointing at me, okay? So when we talk about worship, we're not talking just about the music. When it becomes about the singing, I believe it becomes something that God isn't even pleased with. Did you know that there are times in Scripture when God is not pleased with worship? I know that that's true, but when is he pleased with worship, what would he be pleased with? I know you're, you're wanting to know that. I know that's what we came for. Let's start with some basic elements. Are you ready? Worship and praise is about him, period. That's it. Worship, and, worship is about him. Uh, early on, when I was uh, freshly saved, I was, I was not a pastor yet, so I was, you're going to have to forgive me in this story, because I was worshiping God, and I'm not the best singer, Okay, I'm all right, you know, but I'm not the best. Okay, so I was worshiping God and I was I was singing my heart out, my little heart out, you know, singing to God and I was worshiping. And somebody later in the service was like, "We could hear you singing. Wow, you are loud." And I was, and they were like, you know, kind of like that kind of snooty, you know, like they were talking kind of down to me. I was like, "Well, guess what? It wasn't for you." Okay, so it was for somebody. And they, and they got all cute, and they wanted to respond, and they were like, well, you, but I can hear you. And I was like, and you're going to hear me because I ain't going to stop. Amen? Worship and praise is about him, but it connects us to his presence, his power, and his glory. It's about him, but it doesn't stop there. Because it connects us to something. Something awesome happens when you're in the presence of God. He says that he inhabits the praises of his people. That when, when two or more are gathered in his name, there he is in the midst of them. I know he's omnipresent, he's everywhere, but there's something that happens when you worship him. He comes in close, he gets, he gets all up in your, in your spiritual grill, and he is right there in the midst. It says in the Old Testament that the glory of the Lord filled the temple. It filled the place, the glory of God. What happened when Paul and Silas were worshiping God when they were locked up in prison? It says that they were singing to God, they were worshiping, and what happened? The prison, there was an earthquake. The prison cells shook open. There's something that happens when we worship, that something gets loose when we worship. I know you're in spiritual warfare all week. Something is going on in your life all week, but there's a spiritual realm around you. And when you begin to praise the name of Jesus, when you lift him up, he draws everyone to himself. Amen? In your workplace, you should just praise him in your workplace. When you're sitting there and you're dealing with anxiety or depression, you should just say the name of Jesus in a way that's going to glorify him. Because I promise you, no, no spirit, no demon can stay in his presence, okay? Something happens when we worship him. Now, I know that might seem elementary to some, but that's foundational to what we do when we worship. Listen to Psalm 100, 
Verse 4, it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, not a holiday where you eat a turkey, turn it into a worship day, amen, and his courts with praise. Why is it saying enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise? I believe because the very first corporate worship gathering happened at the tabernacle. If you're familiar with the Old Testament, say amen. Now, the tabernacle was uh, something that illustrated the way to worship God as a corporate gathering and later would be replicated through the temple. And what you need to know about the temple is that was like the, the church, the building that you would go and you would worship God. And there was like layers to it. Like you would have to approach God and you would step past the gate and you would get to the outer court and then you would get inside the inner holy place and then the holy of holies. And you couldn't even go in there unless you were the priest, Okay. You couldn't even get to the presence of God in the holy place unless you were a priest. So you had to stay on the outskirts and the outer courts. But how many know that Jesus is the high priest that got you in to God's presence? So when it says enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise, it's an opportunity for you to worship God and to approach him with your gratitude, with your praise, because worship is about going in. I don't know about you, but I'm going in. I'm going in today on the sermon. I'm going in, okay? And, and away with the drive-through Christianity that tries to microwave God into, a, into a, an experience where we try to hurry him up and I got lunch coming and I got this going on. Listen, we don't need to rush anything. It's not a drive-through. You need to park the car today. You need to go in. You need to get ready for God to do something in your life because worship was never about fitting into an hour and 30 minute service. It was about going in. They would travel, they would travel miles by foot to get to the temple and to worship God. They would bring animal sacrifices. Did anyone bring an animal today? No, I didn't think so. But they would carry animals to worship God with. And and they would do it. And when they got there, there was no rush. There was no greater place for them to be. They just wanted to be in God's presence. It was about going in. I don't know about you, but I'm going in. The devil tried to stop me this week, but I'm going in. I had all types of sicknesses and problems come up this week, but I'm going in. Amen? You can turn my mic down, but I'm going in. That is why we must go back to the beginning of what worship is. And so in Genesis chapter 4, verses 3, it says this. When it was time for the harvest, we already did that series, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for what it's going to do in our hearts and how you're challenging us already. And I invite you to take us further past the outer courts and into the holy place, God. What you want to do in our lives, we give you permission for. I pray that you would simply use me as a vessel and bless this word in Jesus' name. Amen. Notice something from this, that there are two brothers. This is Adam and Eve's first children, Adam and Eve. They have Cain and Abel, and both of them bring an offering. Worship is an offering. It's not an obligation. You don't have to, you get to, as my pastor used to say. You don't have to do this, you get to do this. 
You get an opportunity to come close to God. So it is an offering. They both brought something. What does it say that Cain brought? Remember, he's the one that got rejected. It was not accepted. He brings, he brings uh, some of his crops. That's what the scripture says. Cain brought some of his crops. Now, on the contrary, it says Abel also brought something, the best portions of the firstborn lamb. So there's a distinction of what they brought. Both of them brought something. One was giving the leftovers. Of, you get something. And one gave priority. I believe that what, why Abel's was accepted, because that's what you want. You want an acceptable offering. Say acceptable. You want an acceptable offering of worship. It's got to, God has to be priority. He can't be on the back burner and fit him into your schedule. God has a thing with being first in your life. That's why that first commandment of you shall have no other gods before me, nobody goes home and worships a statue, but you might go home today and sit in front of the TV for hours. Netflix, your phone, it doesn't, I'm not, I'm not judging. I'm saying like the reality is we give God an hour and a half once a week and we give our phones 90% of our attention. I'm sorry, it's hard. I, I might as well stop preaching because it's too much. All right, I'm gonna come on. All right, so look. They brought something to offer. The question is, does God have priority in your life or does he have the leftovers? It's a Thanksgiving message, y'all. Worship is about sacrifice. Worship is a sacrifice. It's not a sentiment where we like, oh, that's cute. That's nice. I like the melodies. It's a sacrifice of praise. It's a sacrifice. We know that Jesus gave us the ultimate sacrifice that made us worthy enough to come to God in the first place. So we know that that sacrifice, but where did that come from? I believe that God used the illustration that he gave Abraham. He said, Abraham, go and sacrifice your son whom you love, your only son, and I will I will bless you. So he, he goes to sacrifice his son. No, God's not asking you to, to sacrifice your children. Okay. It was a test because Abraham loved Isaac, who was his only son. This was the son of the promise. This was a big deal. And God tells Abraham, go and sacrifice the very thing that you love the most, the thing that could get in the way. It's almost as if to say, you can't have nothing in front of me, even your own children. And he goes to sacrifice his son. I love that the scripture tells us what was going on. Abraham, the very next day, he goes to go obey what God said. And, and um, the servant asks him, where are you going? He goes, me and the boy are going to go worship. He could have had an attitude about it, like, I don't know what's wrong with God. He's crazy. He wants me to go kill this son of mine. But he says, me and the boy are going to go worship. And that was a prophetic metaphor because Spoiler alert, he didn't have to kill his son Isaac. This was a prophetic metaphor of what God was going to do with his only son, Jesus. So sacrifice was set up in the Levitical system. This is a revelation. If you wonder why we are sacrificing animals and all that, God wanted to set up a system of worship, including sacrifice. So later, when Jesus died on a cross, light bulb, Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. So God's not into killing animals. Hear me out. It was, it was an illustration of you giving something to God. And God took that and he, he basically leveled up with Jesus on the cross because he says that you don't need to sacrifice animals anymore. 
In Hebrews, it says, no need to sacrifice once a year for the blood of animals. It says, the blood of Jesus satisfies the wrath of God once and for all. One sacrifice. Say sacrifice. See, I think that worship is supposed to cost you. And that word sacrifice, I know that. Um, when I say cost, I'm not talking about money. We don't, we don't need money. I think that is a way to worship, but we're, I, please, we're not talking about money. When David, David comes to this place where he's going to go worship God, and there's a priest there that goes, you know what, I'm going to give you the threshing floor, I'm going to give you this place to worship, and I'm going to give you the cattle. And David goes, no, 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 no. I will not offer to God what does not cost me anything. And why would David say something like that? I believe it. David had a flashback of that moment when they were bringing the Ark of the Covenant back. And it was on a cart, but it was supposed to be carried by the priest. And when it stumbled, they went, the guy went to go touch it and catch it. And because he touched the Ark of the Covenant, he died immediately. And I, I bet David had a flashback like, no, I've seen this before. When you try to worship God in a convenient way, things go awry. It's a disaster. And so he says, I will not worship with God. That does not cost me anything. I believe worship, he, he wanted to pay full price, not only for the cattle, but for the threshing floor. Okay, Cain wanted to have, on the contrary, Cain wanted to have cheap, convenient worship. Like, God should just be happy that I gave him something. God should just be happy that I showed up to church today. I stood up during the songs. I didn't want to. My feet hurt. Guess what? Don't have that spirit of Cain on you. Get it off you, because you should be grateful that you have feet to stand up on. You got hands to lift. You got a song in your heart. You got a voice. Everything that has breath, praise the Lord. That's what, that's what the scripture says. Let everything that has breath, praise the Lord. I got breath, but I can't praise for you. I can't give a shout of praise for you. Because worship is personal. Did you know that? Worship is so personal. It's about intimacy between you and God. So people can't worship for you. They come up here and they sing great songs, but they can't worship for you. This is what James 4, 8 says. It says, draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. It's almost like a challenge, like if you want some, come get some. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Because, and as you get closer, you ever notice when you get closer to somebody, you see in greater detail? I'm talking about that HD, 4K quality detail. God can see, you know, all of your specs, all of your, all of your marks, all of your scars, all of the things God sees. And he says, I want to get close. But that's a personal, intimate thing that a lot of people try to avoid because they're afraid of coming close to God because they say, when I get close, I get hurt because when I got close to him, he hurt me. But you know what? It wasn't God that hurt you. Don't blame God for what people did. And what's in your past? You have to draw near to him. And when he comes close to you, there's something awesome that's going to happen in your life. I believe that it's not just about getting personal with him. Because how can you get more personal than your very life? I'm talking about all of your life. Romans 12.1 says, in view, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Holy and acceptable in another translation. See, I think that it's, if you want to be acceptable, it's got to be all, a, all or nothing. Not, not a, I'm going to give them Sunday. I'm talking about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Like, do you have a, are you a living sacrifice? Now, God's not trying to set you on fire. 
not in real fire. But in the spiritual sense, you should be walking with the holy fire all week. Hear me out. What you watch can be worship. How you work can be worship. Your attitude can be worship. How you treat your spouse can be worship. They had this saying in the Old Testament that says it was a pleasing aroma to the Lord. It was always peculiar to me, like God has nostrils, like does he smell it or something? But I think that in this, it says that it's a holy and pleasing offering to God. Your life can be a pleasing aroma to God, but what, how does it get there? It has to be holy. It has to be set apart. You can't, you can't play both sides. No, no NFL player today is going to go put on both jerseys and play both sides of the field. You have to make a decision, are you all in or are you out? Because if you're a living sacrifice, it's not a one-time event where you go once a year or once a week. It's not a one-time event. It's not a song. It's a lifestyle. A life of drawing closer to God, a life pleasing to him, a life surrendering, choosing, and glorifying him. Now, I'm going to pause and just ask you a question. They didn't, they didn't give me a yes on this one in first service, but maybe in second service. Y'all can help me. Have y'all heard the new Kanye? Okay. Thank God, right? <laughs> For those judging me, um, let me, let me break this down. Kanye West is a rap artist, and I've listened to him before I was ever saved. Um, Kanye West has made rap music since 2005, roughly, and it's been pretty bad. And I don't mean like he's talented. I'm saying like bad, sinful, bad, blasphemous bad. That's what I mean. Now, a year ago or so, Kanye had a mental breakdown. And a lot of people turned their back on Kanye and they started to like really give him grief and, and really just trash him as the media does sometimes. Amen. Everyone turned their back on him, and he kind of went away. He kind of like just disappeared for a while. And he had some cr close Christian brothers and sisters that gathered around him, prayed for him, encouraged him. And guess what? Kanye got saved. Stop and praise God right now. But he makes this album. Is called, it, it's called Jesus is King. I mean, it's, it's as bold as you can be to wear your faith on your, um, on your sleeve, you know. He's wearing his heart on his sleeve. He is, he is living for God now, and I believe that is genuine, okay? More on that in a second. But when he was on Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Kimmel interviews him and asks him, uh, so, so tell me, like, are you a, are you a Christian artist now? Cause you know, there's genres for this, right? There's Christian music and there's secular music and there's rap and there's Christian rap. And so you ask him, he's like, so are you a Christian artist now? And I love Kanye's response because I feel like I couldn't answer it this good. He goes, I'm just a Christian everything. Don't try to categorize me and box me into a genre. I'm all in on Jesus. Kanye went bold on that one. I don't know if there's, I don't know if there's Christian rappers that could have answered that question that good, okay? Kanye said, I'm a Christian everything. Why? Because he gets this living sacrifice thing, that it's all or nothing. It's not an album. It's not just this one-time event. There's an all or nothing with God, and Kanye said, I'm going all in. And y'all need to pray for Kanye. Y'all should celebrate what God did in Kanye West and beyond. Let's stop and praise him right now. Thank you, God. 
But not everybody had such a warm welcome and appreciation for what was happening. A lot of people were skeptical. And I get it. You got to see fruit and all of that other stuff. I, like, I'm not, I'm just telling you, I think it's awesome. I think it's an awesome reminder that God still saves sinners, of which I'm the worst. Okay, let me, let me go Paul on you real quick. But what's crazy about it is it made me think of this story of this woman that comes to worship Jesus. It was in Bethany. Jesus is at Simon the Pharisee's house. Okay. He is he is in the house. Simon is a Pharisee, which means he's like a religious leader of the day. He is meticulous when it comes to the law and God. He is for real. As far as his actions, his behaviors, his mindset is all in with God. So he invites Jesus in, and they're lounging, and they're talking, and they're having a great time. And here comes this woman who busts in. And she comes in, and she's a mess. I'm talking about her hair is all out. She's looking all crazy, all of that. And she comes and she starts crying and worshiping Jesus. And she's, she's got that expensive perfume. She's anointing his feet with tears. She is going crazy for Jesus. She is giving him what, what people are saying is too much. This is too much. This is embarrassing. Now, Simon is sitting back. Remember, he's the man of God. Simon is sitting back and he's thinking to himself, this is what the scripture tells us. He thinks to himself, this guy must really not be a prophet like he says he is, because if he was, he would know that this woman is dirty. This woman is sinful, and she is unworthy to touch him or come near him. But he just sits there lounging, letting, letting her touch his feet. So Jesus knows his thoughts, and Jesus knows yours too. And he says, Simon, let me tell you a story. He says there's two people. Both of them had a debt. One had a lot of debt. One had a little debt. Both were forgiven the debt. Which one do you think is more grateful? He said, well, Simon goes, well, the person who had the bigger debt. He goes, rightfully, you have answered. He goes, when I came in here, you didn't offer me nothing for my feet. You didn't offer me nothing. You just let me sit here all casual with your worship. She came in. She hasn't stopped anointing my feet with her tears. And yet you sit here with your pride and your arrogance and your judgment and you look down at her because you don't understand her worship. I got news for the church in 2019. Y'all don't need to judge Kanye for his worship. Y'all should celebrate him. We need to get out of the seat of judgment. We need to get real with God and realize that God is worthy of our worship. Don't ever judge somebody's worship because he is worthy. Amen. See, it was costly. It was costly. But don't judge my worship. You don't know how much it cost me. You don't know where he brought me from. You don't know what he's done in my life. So I'm crazy with my praise. I give him a shout. I don't think it's just a scripture. I give him a real shout. I go, woo! Because I shout when the Gators score a touchdown, so I might as well. Nobody's going to get more praise than God in my life. I made up my mind. I'll be wild. I'll be wild like that woman that was being judged in, in Simon's house. I'll be the extravagant worship. I'll be the crazy worship. You know what? Why? Because it's biblical. Don't think it's just wild and, and crazy and he's just exuberant because he likes to dance and wave his hands and sing his song. No, it's biblical. That's what David worshiped like. He was dancing until, until his, priest, his kingly robe falls off, and they were judgmental. His wife was so judgmental of him, was like, how dare you take off your kingly robe? He goes, don't you know that it's the Lord that I'm worshiping? I'll get crazier than this. You ain't seen nothing yet. 
That's what he had an attitude behind it. And that's why I had that attitude with that person. They said, I can hear you singing. I was like, yeah, and you're gonna because I'm not done. I'm gonna worship him because he's worthy. They don't understand. They don't understand. It's okay. They don't understand. I'm not judging you. You don't understand. And that's what I want to come to God with every time because he's the only one who does. He's the only one who understands what I've been going through all week. He's the only understand, only one who understands my demons. He's the only one who understands my depression. He's the only one who understands when I'm insecure. He's the only one who understands all of my brokenness and the things that you can't see when you say, how you doing? I say, good, how you doing? Because I'm hiding how I'm really doing, but God knows how I'm really doing. Is that too real for you? Do you know that preachers struggle too? Okay, because Kanye struggles and Pastor Alex struggles. And y'all need to, we need to step up and stand into a new place of worship where we're grateful. There's no greater place than worship with a, with a gratitude because the angels can't sing that song. The angels can talk about how awesome God is and how holy God is and how glorious God is, but they can't sing the song of redemption because they were never saved. And that's why when we sing, God, God hears, he inhabits our praise like he doesn't inhabit anyone else's praise. He feels what we sing more than any other thing, any other way that is glorified in him. When we sing, he, there's, a, there's something that shakes in heaven. When you worship, when you lift up the name of Jesus, there's something that happens, and it happens in you too.